0: Welcome to the ShareChare podcast, where we learn from listening. My name is Elise McGannon, and thanks for tuning in. Today, I interview Kate Hansen, a soon to be sophomore at Loyola University, who was wicked smart and so very passionate about social justice. Listen to hear her wise and valuable insight on feminism and why standing up for what you believe in is vital to create change. Kate Hansen here today on the Share podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thanks for having writing. me. And you're a student at Loyola, you're a first year, soon to be a sophomore, right? Yes, definitely. Awesome. So, what are you studying at
1: Loyola? Uh, so, right now I'm a double major in math and economics with a cool. minor in actuarial
0: science. Okay. So, what is actuarial science? Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. So, I want to be a reinsurance and catastrophe actuary. So, basically, they usually work in insurance companies and they make the premiums that people pay, so they use, like, statistics and analysis and basically figure out, like, how much risk you have, like, financially, and then, like, charge you for it. They make, like, the base rates for it. Down's, like, really not that cool, but reinsurance and catastrophe actuaries, they deal with, like, big events like hurricanes and, like, tornadoes because you can't really plot risk like you can with, like, auto or, like, home stuff, so you have to, like, analyze the data in like this totally different way and it like I'm talking really nerdy about it but I think it's like so cool no that's so
0: that's so cool and I don't want to make it seem like that's not an important job but I've never heard of it no yeah no so interesting yeah
1: it's really like people are starting to learn more about it and it's like definitely a growing field yeah but it's really not popular at all because you have to right (laughs) it's just people usually don't do it because you have to take exams and it takes you six to ten years to pass all of them And you have to study 100 hours for each hour of the exam. So the first exam is, I think, like, three hours. So you have to study 300 hours. And it costs... And, like, you fail, like, two times on each one before you pass it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just really hard. It's, like, if you think of the bar that, like, a lawyer takes the bar exam, it's, like, taking 10 of those. Oh, my god. Yeah. But the good thing is you don't have to, like get a masters or anything because mm-hmm. they just count those exams as like little degrees. Do you
0: have to sort of pay for those exams?
1: Um, you have to pay for whichever ones you take when you don't have a job mm-hmm. but usually once you get hired somewhere they pay for your studying fees because it's like 300 bucks to get a studying program okay. and to sit for the exam is like 200 so then they pay for those fees as well and they give you paid study time at work too <gasps> because you have to study at work and then go home and study for like five more hours. So right now I work for State Farm. And they have a really good internship program in Bloomington. And so I'm
0: planning,
1: hopefully, if I pass an exam, doing that in between my junior and senior year. I'm
0: curious as to what draws you to this. like, Um, Because it seems like you're passionate about it. Yeah, it's
1: like really weird because usually numbers aren't like exciting for people. Yeah. And whenever I was in like middle school and high school, I really liked math because I liked that your answer was your answer. It wasn't like subjectives your answer is like five and it's not negotiable but like now that you're like now that i'm in higher math there's definitely like it's not always as like clear yeah um which has been like an adjustment for me because i find that kind of frustrating no i just really like how numbers are they're kind of like a language
0: in itself do you think there's a problem you mentioned how some people are like just don't enjoy it do you think there's Mm -hmm. a problem with socializing people to not enjoy it within yeah there's
1: actually um So this, uh, I'm in like the Gannon Scholars Research Program, which is this awesome group on campus of just really cool, empowering women who are so smart and so awesome, and we focus on social justice and research. And I'm currently in a UNIV 102 class within that group, Mm -hmm. and we had a professor come talk to us, and he's a neuroscience professor, and he kind of started talking about women in STEM fields and why there isn't that many. And this was, like, totally something I had not thought about because whenever I think of why there isn't a lot of women in STEM fields, I think it's like, okay, well, a lot of people view women to be nurturing and, like, lovey people, and that's why they should be nurses or teachers or blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine for people who want to have those jobs, men or women, because we obviously need people to do that. But um, women are so, like, carry so many other traits than that, not just that. When it comes to STEM fields, there's actually... He did a study where um, during puberty, there's a chemical in the brain that helps you learn analogically and it drops during puberty. So analogically is like building knowledge of off of what you learned the week before. Yeah. So in math, it's like you learn how to add and then you learn how to multiply after you add mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, there's a chemical in your brain that helps you learn that way. Yeah. But when you go through puberty, that drops. And for girls, that's right at a really vital time in yes. math education. Um, So they start feeling like they are just really bad at math and like, no, I suck at this and I would rather be this or something. And they're discouraged to join it. and it's like, that's totally not their fault. It's just the way that the education is being taught to them is not appropriate for how they are supposed to learn yeah. during that time. And the same thing happens to boys, but they go through puberty at a later time where it's not as vital. You could totally like, change how you teach math and science to people, but it's like only for a year or something, yeah. and not everyone goes through puberty at the same time. Yeah. But it's like, there's totally uh, as far as women not being in STEM fields, it's definitely a social thing. It's definitely people assuming that women are a better fit for certain roles and men are a better fit yeah. for certain roles. Like at this point, it's not even necessarily like doing anything about it, but it letting people know that it's a thing. Yeah,
0: acknowledging it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Before you can act on something, people have to acknowledge that it's real. Yeah.
0: Before we get into the Gannon Scholarship, which you had mentioned, which I'd love to talk about, Mm -hmm. um, and just your experience at Loyal as well, where did you grow up? Like, where did you come Um,
1: from? So I'm from Southern Illinois, and I moved around a little bit. Um, So I was born in a really small town with like 1,400 people, and I lived there until like middle school, and I made some of my best friends. Yeah, and then we moved to a nearby town, like, five miles away, and when I was in middle school, which has, like, 7,500 people. Oh, so it's more. So it's more, but still very small. small. Yeah, and it's located right next to an Air Force base. Oh. Um, So there was just a constant flow of people moving in. So my friend group was, like, really fun, but definitely changed a lot. Yeah. I had friends move to England and Germany and Florida. I stayed there all through high school and then we recently just moved to another place uh it's called maryville it's right by edwardsville where southern illinois university is okay um and my mom works on campus there and my sister goes to school there and now i'm up here for school so i'll be back there this summer
0: Was the draw of loyola in chicago for you
1: um well i definitely knew that i wanted to go to school in chicago Mm -hmm. and i was going to come here whether anyone liked it or not (laughs) and my mom can attest to that it was probably frustrating for her but I got my scholarship through Loyola
0: but their social justice um like mission I think mm-hmm. it's so admirable and it's so it's not new to me because I definitely um was into volunteering before but now it's not just volunteering anymore now it's yeah. like they talk about getting um proximate is I think definitely is like the yeah thing like
1: volunteering can be problematic sometimes Absolutely. you know like that's why it's good that they focus you know like get proximate actually learn about the people you want to help yeah and do what they need,
0: not what you think you, they need. What you want you know? them to need. Yeah. Is there, like, a problem with that in today's world? I think there definitely is as far yeah. as
1: helping other people. Like, I catch myself sometimes. I think that I, like, know, I'm like, oh, I know so much about these people and I know, like, what their issues are. But, yeah. you know, until you live in someone's, like, shoes, you have no idea what their problems are and what their daily struggles are. Yeah. And I think it's really easy for us to assume what people need and what areas they need fixed and that's just not our place. Um, I always talk about or I've heard from other people um, like being an ally for people instead of being their voice so like a lot of times people say like oh like we need to be a voice for those in need and it's like no you need to give people their own voice and you need to you know use your own privilege to to bring other people up. My friend Claire her family um, goes to Uganda they have an organization over there and um, they really um like you said like mission trips can be problematic but they're i think they're really good at like they're not just going in and out you know once a once a year and just meeting kids and then leaving them they've built them schools and I, i think as far as like mission trips and volunteering goes it's really important that you're providing them with tools that they need. You're not doing that for them. Yes. Um, so like, building schools is a perfect example. You're empowering people, educating people to be voices for themselves. You had
0: mentioned mentioned that you're part of the Gannon Scholarship, which is all about mm-hmm. social justice. Can you, I think, is that what that's about? Yeah, Can yeah, so it's
1: um, the Gannon Scholars Leadership Program, if I'm thinking of it correctly, mm-hmm. uh, the name. And basically, it's just empowering women leaders uh, to create to a more, Uh, create a more sustainable and just world Um, so we focus on social justice and research and empowering um, the world through that Um, so everyone in the group we there's people who are freshmen all the way up to seniors cool. and it's all just really cool badass women. Okay. So we all have different research projects. It usually starts you start brainstorming your sophomore year and then you do your research junior and senior year. Okay. Um, so it can go through any field you want to as long as it has an intersection between social justice and research. Mm-hmm. Some of The girls in my class we presented on some of our brainstorming topics the other day okay. and it ranges all the way from refugee health to agriculture subsidies um, and I'm focusing on statistics and perception um, and presentation of those stats. Uh, and it goes all the way to, like, sex trafficking, advertising. And it just, everyone has so many different interests. And the scholarship does, or the scholars group really does a good job of, like, empowering that and letting everyone take their own. Viewpoint on something yeah, and yeah. going about it their own way.
0: You had you had briefly just mentioned that your interest, um, at least of right now, I think you did. Perception yeah, and statistics. Yeah, Can you maybe describe that a little bit.
1: Basically, I, I have an interest in how we present statistics wording-wise, visually-wise, and how that changes people's perception of it Mm -hmm. because it's really, really hard. uh, Because I personally think of statistics, or I did think of them to be very neutral things that are just facts, but a lot of times um, they don't include all of the information on the topic and they're really biased. And if you present them in a certain way, people can use them to make really unethical decisions in business, medicine, and politics. It's a social justice issue because um, when you're using those stats to justify unethical decisions, most of the time it hurts marginalized people because it's easy to take advantage of people who don't have power in society. I really want to study how presenting stats a certain way changes people's decisions based on those stats. Um, so just like a basic research idea into it would to be um, to have like a survey-like questionnaire where you have a statistic written down in a certain way or presented a certain Mm -hmm. way. And based on that stat, you have the research subject, I guess, (laughs) Um, choose a decision based on that. Um, So like decision A or B. And then with another person, you have the same same statistic, but worded differently, presented differently, and then have them choose between A or B. And it could be different based on how you word it. And then once you have people do that, you can look at it. um, quantitatively, Mm -hmm. so how many people chose A versus B, why did it switch, and then qualitatively would be having people explain why their decisions changed or why they chose something, and then recording their responses, Um, and that way, hopefully, if that is like a a good research thing and uh, provides good data, Mm -hmm. then, you know, that would be helpful in making like an ethical chart on how to present Statistics, yes. you know, for businesses or politics or whatever, you know, newspapers yeah. should be required to go through a check of what they're presenting. Yeah. Um, politicians should be required to make sure that what they're saying is relevant and true and yeah. actually like real. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that that's important. And um, I read a quote the other day because I I really don't think a lot of people consider math to be relevant in social justice. Um, but I read, I read a quote that math and statistics should not be considered, like, culturally neutral or unbiased because the number itself may not be wrong, but how you use it how can you be. How Oh, my yeah.
0: goodness. The yeah.
1: wage gap, uh, I don't know the specific number. It's off, not in my head right now. Mm-hmm. But you could say, like, women make this much in percentage to what men make. Yeah. But that statistic doesn't necessarily embody, like, what contributes to that so if I'm a politician and I say something like well you know I'm gonna fix this because of XYZ because Mm -hmm. of this wage gap or something but that you know that statistics not helpful you're taking it out of context of what you want to do and it doesn't have to be something like that it could be any stat newspapers do it as Mm -hmm. far as like fake news that's going around Uh Um, politicians do it with alternative facts it's problematic in medicine because Um, If people aren't being presented accurate data to make their own decisions for their body, um, they could make the wrong one. And it's totally fine if statistics leave out certain things, but it needs to be stated in the presentation of that data that XYZ was left out Mm -hmm. of this data, um, which is exactly like a perception problem.
0: To the power of a group of, it doesn't just have to be women, but Mm -hmm. very powerful um, or very... Like passionate people together, what yeah. does that do? Like when I they think all it, get together, I think
1: it's really important because it encourages one another to contribute to whatever your yeah. goal is. I think it's important that it's a, women in the room because um, a lot of times women with strong opinions who are smart and passionate aren't. Um, encouraged to stay that way Mm -hmm. throughout their life and aren't encouraged to speak their mind and to have other women encourage you to do that yourself um... is really like inspiring and helpful there's so many layers to sexism and racism and all of the isms (laughs) that it's it's not an eight-year fix with a different president it's not you know a fifty-year fix it comes through education and it comes through discussions like this Mm -hmm and acknowledging issues i mean yeah. it it will take forever yeah um and that's okay yeah. it sucks but as long as we're actively working on it yeah. i you know Is we it, have to be okay we're not that it takes with it? Yeah. yeah definitely you can't be stagnant in with mm-hmm. what's wh- with what's going on yeah. most of the problems in our society and mm-hmm. most of the actions that people do that are oppressive People don't consciously do them. Realize that what they say might be problematic or what they do might be problematic. And that just comes with, like, not having discussion. Like, there's no talks on social justice in my high school. There's no explanation of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not because, like, it's it's not helpful, but that's just because people don't realize that there's other issues because it's only white people living in a town yeah. or something like that. Thing, You know, you cl- want to be a feminist and contribute towards, like, a just world, but you do stuff that's might be hurtful at times. And that just comes with intersectionality, mm-hmm. um, which is basically realizing that it's possible to be both oppressed and be an oppressor. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone who might be an oppressor at their home, if they're the head of the household yeah. and are oppressive to their wife or their husband or whatever um you know they could be oppressed at work they could have a boss who is really like oppressive on them Um, as women we're oppressed in society but as white people we're not
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um so it's possible to wear both hats and um realizing when you have what hat on is important totally a work in progress for everyone as far as realizing when to like speak your mind and when to like kind of catch yourself like that's I should not say that you just have to surround yourself with people who are like willing to you know if they catch you saying something Mm -hmm. problematic they're not just gonna sit there and be like oh like
0: that's funny if you could give any person a piece of advice that you wanted like just anybody in general um, just another human being what kind of advice would you give them
1: the best like the best advice someone could give to another person is just to be like self-confident in what you're passionate about and what you believe being dependent on yourself to be your biggest fan i don't know my sister is really empowering to me and she always tells me like you know if like if you feel like you're not being treated right by someone or you feel that this person isn't being a good friend to you like like know that you your biggest strength comes from yourself and whatever you're passionate about and whatever drives you and is your strengths like focus on that and whoever wants to like join you along the way like totally encourage that yeah. and support it but like make sure that your um your happiness and like independence is rooted in yourself mm-hmm. um before anyone else yeah. all empower ourselves and empower other people and actively do that throughout our lives
0: well thank you so much you yeah thanks for so much for on having the me chair? that's this week's episode of the share chair podcast You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just pick your poison and I'm sure we're on it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another Priceless Story.